Welcome to episode 454 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a great conversation with professor, writer, editor, performer, and bookstore owner, Ned Sparrow. Ned and I delve into subject areas such as Baltimore, Trader's Day, Loss, Socks That Match, Kindness, Blessings, and he performs a song live by Leonard Cohen titled Never Loved Before. As I mentioned, a great conversation this go-around with Ned Sparrow. We have an EWSA titled Little Kingdom. We share a short essay from the Reader's Right section of the October 2021 issue of The Sun magazine by an anonymous writer. It is titled My Sister Megan is Only 13. And we also have a poem called The Other Day. All of this, of course, will be imbued, infused, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. I hope you're enjoying the winter weather in the Northeast. And if you're elsewhere, lucky you. Let's get to it. Episode 454 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours.
kingdom. Hey, ho, it's 2022. Let's get on with the show. Spirit is what spirit does. Ain't that the truth, celestial cuz? What is once was, and again, he, she, it, they, we do indeed indulge primarily for the buzz. And I watched two middle-aged white men get drunk on national TV. They talked about theater and politics and the dangers to our biosphere caused by your Humvee. And they drank and drank a white tequila mixed with shots of whiskey, seemingly continuously high above Times Square on an island, while I sat on my couch 100 miles inland atop a mountain, stoned and stuffed with pizza, shrimp, and IPA, my own little kingdom of ego and doubt, ready at a moment's notice to hightail it out of here for some live music, dance, vivacious talk, simple moments of connection, while being amidst the din of this species of creation, creatures of invention, we are. On this planet, we have as our home, deep into the soul, pulsing at the core of my marrow bone, And winter has just begun. The snow out this window falls gently through the sun.
Dr. Ned Sparrow, is that you? Yes, good morning. Good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm well. We have a snow day, so I didn't have to get up at uh, 5 and a quarter uh, to be on court by 6.30 uh, coaching squash. (laughs) Excellent. So that's a break. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. I appreciate it. I'm grateful that you had me. Well, before we get started, let me share a little bit with our listeners about your background. Uh, Ned Sparrow, professor, writer, editor, and performer, among other things, is a collector of modernist literature and a book dealer whose 10,000 books are available online and in select locations, as well as teaching Ned has worked as a general contractor, a squash coach, and a singer-songwriter. He has lived and taught all over Baltimore and Baltimore County. He has degrees in story and literature from Princeton and John Hopkins. Despite the pedigree, Ned is salt of the earth. And Troubadours and Rock On Tours is very happy to have on the program Dr. Ned Sparrow. So, we're talking with you from your place somewhere around or in Baltimore, I guess, right? Baltimore City. Baltimore City. And uh, I guess you like Baltimore, huh? I do. It's uh, it's uh, big for me to live in a city and to be part of the city. I've, I've lived in the county uh, for a bit, uh, raising the kids, but uh, I've had the bookstore for maybe seven years and lived in the city for the last ten. And... Uh, it's uh, it's the great experiment of uh, people living right up on top of other people and uh, making it happen, and uh, love the opportunities and the vistas and the crazy people we uh, inflict on ourselves and and become in this in this tight living space. Well, you know, and Baltimore in particular is known for uh, having. A lot of great characters as part of the community, you know, uh, from what I've gathered over over the years. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm uh, uh, particularly since I got the brick and mortar bookstore um, now five years ago, uh, I'm, I've got a front row seat. I'm right next to Penn Station. It's called Station North Books, and uh, you know, half the time I have people coming trying to sell me stuff, and uh, that's always exciting, and then often I'll have people come in looking for a, a, a book or just to talk, uh, and that's awesome. It's, Part it's, of the community, it's a space. Yeah. yeah. And again, the name of the bookstore, Station North Books. Station North, yeah, yeah. And are are you from Baltimore originally, or did I'm you from end- Detroit, um, Gross Point East Side? Um, but folks are still there in Michigan. Uh, they're in their 80s. They're uh, camp counselors and um, brought me to music uh, in the car driving up up north, as we say in Michigan, uh, from Detroit to a little cabin where um, we, you know, we'd sing the whole way. Nice. And uh, that and just coming off of Christmas now, of course, it's still Christmas until uh, 
the Kings figure out how to get there was at January 6th. Right, Russian Christmas, I, I guess, or that's right, something like uh, Epiphany. But now we now we also recall it as Traders Day, and uh, we'll have to see if we can prosecute those who tried to kick it over on the sixth. That's an unfortunate coming together of dates. Traders Day is that? I mean, traitor as in uh... traitors against the country. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of the the insurrection who uh, invited. Uh, um, people to come in and try to um, overturn the legitimate election. I think the, you, you hit it on the head, Trader's Day. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I didn't connect the two. That's that's an interesting connection you've made between, you know, Russian Christmas or the, you know, Epiphany and then tra the insurrection, Trader's Day. That's excellent. Thank you for Well, me. it's something, right? Yeah. yeah. It's too bad. <laughs> it is too bad, but it's part of our history nonetheless, and we can't overlook it or forget it, right? Right. So, anyhow, um, tell us about your background. I mean, you are a, a sort of a, I guess, you're, you're dynamic for certain. You know, uh, a renaissance man perhaps is, is a good word or a good phrase to, to uh, describe yeah, it's you. it's a reach. It's a reach. Those guys, I don't know how they, they managed to do so much besides having, I guess, those who had money, um, you know, full-time uh, help with um, manuscript production and uh, and uh, the ability to um, pursue study. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I aspire to be uh, um, a Renaissance man, but you know, I, I'm more like a jack of many trades and and still um, blunting my fingers on trying to get any of them right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense, and you know. One, I think if a person's honest with themselves and their ego is not so oversized, once they delve into a lot of different areas, they realize you realize you really don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, one of the tricky uh, rewards of uh, of surviving. You know, like you, you, I I been through uh, been through a lot, um, particularly the last few years. Um, lost my son, maybe. Four years ago, uh, he was schizophrenic, and um, you know, uh, the, my my gratefulness for his life is 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 always with me, and as in my memories of him is always they're always with me. But I'm also, I think, been given a bit of uh, sympathy for where people are coming from, just in terms of making it, you know, day to day. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I'm I'm sorry for your loss. That's well. It's important to get it out there. My my uh, my wife at, at the time um, was really brave in writing up. You know what a person he was. My Russell uh, Russell Sparrow, and um, and we got it out there. And it was one of the few great benefits of uh, those evil uh, networking. Uh, <laughs> vehicles that we try not to use too much um like facebook and and mm -hmm. you know i just had I, plenty of friends came forward and said that they'd had losses uh, similar losses and you know besides the schadenfreude of that um there was a lot of just like wow look these people really had their stuff together and they lost a kid and it just it's schizophrenia is, is not pretty you know <laughs> No, no. A, a very dear friend of mine's brother suffers from that, and and uh, you know the whole family it has to uh, 
embrace it, you know, or, or run away, it seems. You know, you right. can't be in between. Right, right. Yeah, I like embrace or run away. That's, uh, you know, because you want to do everything uh, and and usually at the same time. <laughs> I, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And this this friend of mine, he he had he hasn't, hasn't run away. Not well. His mother, though, his mother deals with it more than anybody. Mm. Uh, but I guess that's what a parent does, right? Yeah, it's one of the one of the challenges. Um, and I got to play squash with my girl uh, Mary Louise, who was visiting uh, over Christmas. She threatened to come and <laughs> cut my hair if I fell asleep, but I uh, managed to uh, avoid that. Uh, situation because uh, my uh, my girlfriend's got uh, the low level COVID now the uh, Omicron and uh, yeah and you know so we couldn't be in in the space together but um, yeah I'm just just grateful to uh, make it happen to be in the in in this in this space and you know, looking for ballast for my ambitious sail. You know, I'm just I, I I'm always trying to uh, find find uh, huh, moments to slow down and and um, and do do good stuff with what we got. You know, with the time we have. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. You know, uh, and and you you are involved in so many different things. Um, you know what. Is there one, by the way, your daughter, Mary Louise, is that her name? Yes, Mary Louise. And uh, did she cut your hair or no? No, she, she uh, didn't succeed in that mission. She got me some socks that match, and uh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a bonus. And I'm wearing the sweater she gave me, so uh, we'll awesome. take that. <laughs> but uh, besides being a, a good parent, an involved parent, you, you're a professor, uh, you're, you're a book lover, a, a business person, a performer. Uh, a writer, all of these things. Is there one part of all of that or one aspect of all of that that uh, stands out for you or is more representative of who you look at yourself as being? Yeah, I guess um, there's a, a chord that binds all. My my buddy Sebastian Knowles, who's a great Joycean uh, uh, English professor, uh, talk, always would talk about the nexus omnia ligans, uh, which is a wonderfully uh, easy phrase for a Latin phrase. Uh, the cord that binds all, uh, the nexus, the connecting thing, and the all omnia, of course, and ligands like ligament. Um, and for me, the nexus omnia ligands would be something like, uh, hmm, um, oh, something like uh, instruct and delight, you know, from Aristotle, the, mm -hmm. from the poetics, uh, which I translate to my students often as a uh, spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm always uh, finding if I can uh, ways of uh, sweetening uh, you know my ABC Darian and professorial instincts to try to teach people stuff with a little bit of sweetness and I guess I try to sweeten my own days with um, you know, chasing books and making songs and uh, um, meeting people and, and engaging and uh, trying to, uh, you know, make the world a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, trying to make the world a little bit better for your for yourself. I would I would imagine if you're anything like me, you know, and and also hopefully, 
uh, it has a positive effect your your actions your approach to, uh, on those around you right yeah 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 it, it comes back um you know so sometimes it's apparent writing a note like i got a, a a christmas card from a kid i coach and you know she was just saying that she was grateful that i was helping her kid along and um it's just uh, it's 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 a kick to uh um, get exercise and get paid to get exercise mm. and then also just to watch kids go from you know kind of fumbling and you know apparently uncoordinated to really figuring out how to move on a squash court which is like a racquetball court you know it's a small it's a living room size space where you bang the ball off the wall and then you got to get the heck out of the way um, so your opponent can have room to return the shot to the front wall and uh um, you know, the points go forever once you get the basic hang of it. And, uh, and it's just, you know, it's, you, you work, you work up a huge, uh, sweat very quickly just because, uh, you're trying to, you know, chase this devilishly hard to retrieve in some ways, a low bouncing ball and smack it away from your opponent, uh, and then get out of their way while they get their chance. <laughs> it sounds very metaphorical. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, it's a lot like uh, <laughs> politics, or um, certainly a lot like um, the repartee or conversation. You know, my um, um, I had a mentor, um, uh, another Joycean, uh, Walt Litz, who talked about. You know, I just he was in his seventies or eighties when he said, "I'm just getting to figure out how to." join this conversation and now i don't have much time left you know but uh yeah i hear that <laughs> I, I hear that my wife and i often say that you know it takes a takes your whole lifetime to unfold unravel understand all the stuff that uh you're influenced by that you come into and mm -hmm. and, and just when you feel like you're starting to get it you know <laughs> as right. you said yeah. Well, but, it sounds like you you're uh, you're in a position with this uh, with your uh, journalism and your uh, interviews with your pals and with wide, far flung you know people. Yeah. Um, to uh, take stock and and you know be part of the conversation and of course bring people out. That's neat. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I mean, I. It is. I talk to so many people every year, and uh, such as yourself, and uh, people that I know well, people I've met for the first. You and I have never spoken before this moment, and and it's it's so gratifying and it's so beneficial. It's you know, and I do learn so much. Yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. talking with Ned Sparrow here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, a man of many hats: a professor, writer, editor, performer, squash coach. And uh, I think maybe at some point, you know, uh, you may, you have a guitar nearby, don't you? I do. At some point, maybe whenever you want, you know, if you're working on something, you think it fits into what you're you're sharing with us in our conversation, you want to, you know, play a little bit. We're, uh... Yeah, let me see if I can. Mm-hmm. Dance with a lot of men. Fought in an ugly war. Gave my heart to a mountain, but I never loved before. Nervous when you turn away, my heart is always sore. Tuxedo gave me diamonds, 
but I never loved before. Been on the road forever. Always passing through. You're my first love and my last. There is no one after you. Lived in many cities, you know, uh, from Paris to LA. I've known rags and riches. I'm a walking cliche. I tremble when you touch me. Want you more and more. I taught the Kama Sutra, but I never loved before. Been on the road forever. Always passing through. You're my first love and my last. There is no one after you. And then I sometimes do a little whistling bit with that that goes. But um, that's called. uh, Wow, what is that called? It's a Leonard Cohen poem. Oh, is it? I was was wondering. Put to music, and I I thought it was one of those gimme uh, poems, the way um, Billy Bragg uh, picked up um, the Woody Guthrie poems, and you know the scandalous and wonderful, sexy ones that I love. Billy Bragg, and I love Woody Guthrie. (laughs) That he never, that he never put to music, and I, I, I I was putting that um, um, never loved before, or there's two great hooks in it: never loved before and. um, I love the Kama no one Sutra. After you. The Kama Sutra yeah. line is fantastic, right? Yeah. So, so it turns out um, it was put to music, and I think with his blessing. But um, as I was working on the song, when his poems came out, his son edited. You know, his passing was what two years ago, a year ago. Uh, I thought it's a good time to try to put that to music, and then I realized he had put it to music. And uh, so copyright issues and excitements, but uh, uh, I'm, I didn't I didn't check out the version until I was kind of happy with my own. And now, of course, I can't hear it any other way, which is which is nice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is uh, the art of of uh, you know singing and playing instruments is so special, such a um, an important way for human beings to to sort of express and to and to you know, sort of hear and feel what, mm-hmm. uh, what other people are, are uh, thinking and going through. Right. Do, do you share that sort of thing in your bookstore? And do people come in looking for books and also get a chance to hear Professor Sparrow perform? Yeah, you know, um, I've had great luck with, uh, like, real touring musicians. People show up and, and play uh, and in, in a small space there. And we had a song circle there just before COVID came on. Uh, and you know it's not it's now more and more books uh but um yeah i always have a guitar ready and i often ha- you know people will often just pick it up and then uh one one in three people who shows up is is ready to play something and it's it's great you know we listen and uh, exchange some ideas oh uh, yeah um yeah. we you know the song circle bit is fun we have um 
a group of maybe 10 or 10 of us in a core group and then maybe 20 people overall uh, just from the Baltimore and DC area who get together and play songs every uh, pretty much every month based on a theme Uh, we had trains as the theme the last time uh, uh, when it was at Station North Books excellent excellent that makes sense and let's talk about books I mean you obviously love books and you have 10,000 plus uh, books any any of those that uh, are are like treasures in, I mean I'm sure the whole lot is a big treasure for you but sure well you know the lot used to be worth more before um, everybody had a library in his hand you know or her hand um, but um, there's still there's still young people who are, are collecting and it's encouraging to have them come in and and you know look for you know even reading copies of uh, of Jane Eyre or um, something from Thomas Hardy or whatever um, and it's great to be able to put it in their hands in this uh, um, scarily you know dauntingly um, busy space uh, with lots of books um, and there's it's somewhat organized by genre and then you know at, at least at one time recently it's been alphabetical by author but you know I try to pull them out um, and then I have some treasures in the back room uh, uh, or in a bank vault. The one, you know, the, the I have a, a an incunable that I managed to come across uh, a few years ago on cryptography, the first book on cryptography uh, from 1517. Wow. Of course, in Latin and, uh, you know, an early printed book, uh, incunable. Uh, um, yeah, and... and, and Cryptographia is is the title, and and you know the the idea of of um, this being the first printed type book on spycraft and on um, uh, secret transmissions of um, words and um, cryptography just just fascinating to me. Oh my gosh! Uh, I, I came into um, book collecting, uh, I guess, as a grad student i was i was always collecting even undergrad but but in in grad school i would show up with these beautiful illustrated texts uh you know on like 18th century um uh, scholar artist um william hogarth and and uh and the professor at hopkins is like well where's where's my annotated edition that i get a little kickback from and i said i i can't afford that one (laughs) but i've got this beautiful one here and then they they would gather and and populate um i um yeah as a modernist uh 1890 1935 is the stuff i really know best as a teacher and as a scholar um but those books like you know gatsby you know that's we're talking a hundred thousand dollar book in a dust jacket uh if you can get a, a scott fitzgerald gatsby you know, I just um, I just had a really great conversation a few months ago with uh, I don't know uh, if you know her, Martina Mayok. She she won the Pulitzer Prize a couple years ago for uh, Cost of Living, a play that she uh, yeah she wrote, and she's working on a project uh, in in England with a few folks uh, to put to stage The Great Gatsby again. And, oh wow! And she her love of that book, she she uh, she was just effusive. It was amazing how much. Um, stock she puts into that book so yeah i don't know you, you, you guys need to get together right right yeah it's a treasure 
and 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 um, it it doesn't do me a lot of good as a uh, as a book slinger, book dealer. But you know the availability of uh, audible books read by you know spectacularly well trained actors and and readers has been you know eye opening, and also it's a great thing for me to have in my ears when I'm cataloging you know physical books to have uh, you know. Uh, uh, my classmate Elizabeth Rogers reading, you know, something from um, another Princeton classmate, Jody Pickholt, um, you know, and and have that in my ears while I'm looking at older books. It's really that's uh, a great time to uh, be in in that conversation. Well, you, so I love you... I love the idea of, of Gatsby on stage. I, it, it seems. Um, I, I don't think I've seen any stage versions of it. I think there have been. Uh, I'm not sure. How, I know, you know I've seen the Robert Redford film. Yeah, the films for sure, and then the Leonardo DiCaprio one as well. Oh right, right. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, it. Yeah, it, it must be great. I know. I know that's one of the things you do. I mean, you 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 uh, record audio versions of books and. Uh, and you have a great voice for it. I can I can tell why you get that kind of work. Uh, but do, do you also arrange for other people to read books as well for to create audio versions, or you just do it? You know, you contract yourself out to to give your voice to a book. Yeah, um, it, it's for me. It's been uh, it was a serendipitous moment uh, maybe five years ago, and I haven't stuck with it. Um, I'm still excited about listening um, and doing some readings of just stuff that I that comes across the transom. Uh, uh, but mostly like on Instagram or something, uh, you know, at my station North books, uh, site. Um, and I, um, well, the way I found my, my way into it was, uh, a buddy, uh, a nutritionist was getting, uh, Joel Furman, whose famous book, uh, eat to live, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it encourages, it was a big seller, a uh, bestseller, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember, um, encourages people to eat their vegetables, you know, before, uh, um, the Michael Poulin stuff, um, basically saying, you know, eat high nutrient stuff and fewer meats and carbs. Um, and I became a real proselyte for it as I was reading it. It was a buddy of mine who, uh, was producing Furman's work. And I said, you know what? I'd like to give that a try. And I just started reading. And, uh, there was the, the medical terms were a little bit difficult, but I, uh, uh, study them up a little bit and um, it's it, it's a kick it was fun yeah sounds wonderful um, and uh, audiobooks are becoming more popular you know what, what do you as a reader as a professor as a book lover uh, as a writer do you have a problem with books being listened to rather than read yeah you know um, I feel like there's so many um, learning styles uh, that I know that some people uh, have trouble getting it by listening to it. Um, I'm particularly lucky in that I can feel like I can follow it. Um, um, but I don't think it's the same in terms of study, like a lot of the books that, like, you know, Gatsby and you know, all the stuff that I did when I was doing my PhD back in 96, just before everything became digitized and, and uh, audibleized. Uh, 
I feel like I know those texts better or probably best of all that I first read. And a lot of those I do return to and read um, in the flesh on the page. Um, I don't think that the word is in any danger of uh, um, getting subsumed by the whatever forms we put it to. I, I feel like uh, even the clipped style that kids and people and I are writing in now uh, is still writing and it's still communication and... Um, uh, I love it. I, I'd like to see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that insight, Professor. And um, well, uh, we're just about out of time this go around. Uh, you, you, I really enjoyed talking with you. You're the first interview, the first conversation uh, for our uh, 2022 uh, winter season. And uh, I appreciate you taking time out. I mean, this is just three days into the new year that we're recording this for our broadcast. Thank you for taking the time out. And, and I, I'd like to give you an opportunity before we uh, part ways, uh, so to speak, to maybe share a little information with people that how they can get in uh, contact with, with what you're doing. And also maybe just, you know, sharing, letting the folks know where, where you're at, what you're thinking as we go into the new year. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm at Station North Books. Uh, it's one word, and uh, Station North Books, um, Insta, and places like that. But the physical place is just between Charles Street, the Charles Street uh, Theater and uh, Restaurant Corridor, which is just north of uh, Penn Station, Baltimore. And I'm there weekdays and uh, often weekends and um, love to meet people and put books in their hands. Um and I'm putting my blessing on to uh, 22 um, with uh, a couple of couplets uh, I'm working on. Um, one of them's for, for Naomi Shehab Nye. It's something like, kindness, stand by me. Kindness, stand by me. Naomi Shehab Nye. Yeah, she's a poet. Mm. And uh, I'm going to put that to music one day. And uh, and my other blessing for 22 is something like uh, the, another couplet I'm working on, which is from a rib and from the stars. That's how muddy lucky we are. And uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Thank you, Professor sir. Ned Sparrow. A pleasure. Hopefully we speak again in the not too distant future. Have a great 2022. Thanks. You too. And all of yours. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
go waltzing Hound in blue and red And arbitrary blackness Gallops in I shut my eyes from the sky Hell's fires fade Exit seraphim Exit Satan's man I shut my eyes And all the world drops dead Fancied you, you'd return the way you said. But I grow old, and I forget your name. I think I made you up inside my head.
And now, a short essay from The Sun Magazine's Reader's Right section, October 2021. This is titled, My Sister Megan is Only 13, and it's written by an anonymous individual. My sister Megan is only 13 months younger than I am. Growing up, we played together, whispered our fears to each other in the dark, and had each other's backs until junior high. Megan was cute and also trusting. When boys invited her to get drunk and fool around, she went. Afterwards, the guys told stories about her, and she ended up getting a bad reputation. In the early 70s, girls were expected to be chased. I distanced myself from her, as did her friends. She was alone. The weight of the insults and abandonment crushed her, and she began to act out even more with boys, alcohol, and drugs. My parents, who didn't understand what was driving Megan's behavior, punished her, which only pushed her further out of our family circle. She ran away several times and was finally sent to reform school. When she came home a year later, she hadn't changed, and she went back to being high more often than not. Megan dropped out of school and developed several addictions. One night, she took so many drugs, she thought she was going to die. She prayed to stop using and offered to give her life to God if she lived. After she survived, she did exactly what she'd said she would and became a zealous born-again Christian. I believe it saved her life, but it created a new wedge between us. She pleaded with me to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. We'd been raised Catholic, and I was content with my religious beliefs, but Megan attacked them because, she said, she didn't want me to go to hell. Offended and hurt, I once again distanced myself from her. A few years later, she apologized and I strove to offer her support. The trauma she'd suffered as a teen had left her with mental health issues that she worked hard to overcome. Her old self eventually returned, and she became a true blessing to have as a sister. When Donald Trump appealed to the values of evangelical Christians in order to get elected, Megan jumped on the Trump bandwagon. I couldn't figure out how this gentle, loving, generous woman could support someone who seemed to go out of his way to hurt others and had lived a life of greed and exploitation. The only time we spoke about it was when she declared her support for Trump and the entire Republican agenda. My response was to stay silent. We barely communicate now. I would have been saddened but not surprised if I had lost my sister to drugs or alcohol. To lose her to this charlatan and his conspiracy-driven movement is something I never saw coming.
Another day, candles scented and Christmas cards mailed, the warmth of flannel pajamas while you root around for a sandwich in the fridge that Mr. Stiv from the Hollywood section of town sent over the other day. His son Chuckles and you used to run around together and play. He lives in Cherry Hill now, a surgeon.
Episode 454 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Ned Sparrow, The Sun Magazine, and the anonymous writer, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Chicano Batman, Coco Rocco, Ned Sparrow, Hena Jadagu, Cut Worms, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care. <laughs>